Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Leadville family, I've got another two-for-one for you today in the form of Ty and Roxanne Hall, the entrepreneurial power couple from Leadville, Colorado. And not only have they found a way to carve out a slice of heaven in this cloud city, they've also been longtime finishers of the mountain bike race. So sit back, relax, and hear what Ty and Roxanne have to say about life in Cloud City and pedaling two wheels above 10,000 feet. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Now, Roxanne, you have a little bit more bit more of a permanent history with Leadville than Ty, so let's start with Ty on this one. Yeah, um, Leadville definitely, I would say, um, found me, or I kind of found uh, Leadville a little bit too, but um, I had uh, I grew up in Virginia at a small ski resort. And after high school, I was working there teaching skiing and did a semester at James Madison University. And it was kind of time for a change. And a friend of mine had come out here for school to Leadville and at Colorado Mountain College. And I called him Thanksgiving and he said, hey, you know, uh, I'm out here in Leadville, which I'd never heard of. And he said, but you can come out here and major in skiing. And I was like, you got to be kidding me you can major in skiing and i was like okay I'll, I'll be there where where do i go and i kind of looked it up and i remember talking to him and asking him i was like how did you find leadville and he said he he saw leadville in colorado mountain college in the back of rolling stone magazine and i was like man okay i'm, I'm headed out so i came out here and um did the ski resort management program at colorado mountain college and then uh, graduated from there and then went to Western State College in Gunnison for business. And in the middle of all that, um, met probably at the time the only girl in Leadville. <laughs> so I got really lucky that she was even from here. And um, yeah, Leadville has just grown on me and has become just an amazing part of my life. But it's kind of funny, but that's... that's uh, how uh, I found Leadville or it found me for sure. Well, that's definitely a great story that I always love hearing. Um, now, Roxanne, you're a little different, but what what do you remember about your first introductions with Leadville, even though it began many years before ties? I mean, as you know, I have been Yeah. And so I skied all the time at Ski Cooper and 
Then I got involved in gymnastics, which was my life. I mean, oh my God. So, (laughs) yeah, I just had such a great childhood. Well, now, okay, and yes, uh, goodness, that Ski Cooper and the bus and the childhood that we had growing up there and just all the mountains sure was incredible. Uh, But now here you are returning home. Um, Ty's just finding home with you in Leadville, and you all return after college. What was life like for the two of you when you first lit back in the community, what was going to pay the bills? So, um, luckily, I majored in art, French, and education. And I got a job in the school district. Um, I started at the center. So I was there in the toddler room for a full year. Um but that really helped. All of a sudden, I had this income that I'd never had before. Um, Ty was working various jobs like golf course and guiding on Chicago Ridge and Ski Cooper with the snowcat. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. And, then, and definitely, we came back to Leadville, like wanting to be in Leadville. And especially at that time, which was 1992, there's still weren't many jobs the town was still kind of half closed down it was you know a little sketchy but we were like okay what are we going to do and obviously like Roxanne said the only way we survived was her single school teacher salary which as everyone can imagine is very pathetic and very meager so we (laughs) we were were so and guiding on Chicago Ridge being a, a ski bum wasn't paying so hot either so but we knew we wanted to stay in Leadville, and so that's kind of how we got into starting the Nordic Center and the cookhouse and our business that we have now, you know, was just our passion for wanting to be in Leadville and our passion for wanting to be in the mountains and our passion for wanting to be part of the community was definitely, um, you know, the big factor. We were just like, well, we'll just figure out how to make a living. Um, but it wasn't easy in the early years for sure. Well, sure. And Ty, did you have a a harder time convincing Roxanne's parents that you could provide for her under these conditions? Or were they just uh, really welcoming? What was that environment like? Not as good, but I kind of laughed because both of of our parents grew up in the South and were pretty strict. And so convincing your parents of anything, um, especially so their mom, I know her mom liked me, but it was, yeah, it was strict. And so I was, um, I, I was stealing their daughter. So that wasn't always <laughs> like super easy. Um, but I think yeah. they were thankful that we were staying here in Leadville and that we were going to be neighbors and that we could still be with one another. So that was a really big hit. And I remember asking your dad if I could marry her. And he, his only comment was, well, so long as you can take care of her. And I remember that hitting and I was like, oh man, I'm not sure I can, you know, guiding on Chicago Ridge. So All right. you're like, what do we, you know, what do we got to do? But actually we were still in college when we got married or I was still in college. So um, it was my senior year. So we, we didn't know. And when Roxanne and I first got married, it was like a total, you know, luck of the draw or not luck of the draw but just being like i don't know how we're going to figure this out but we'll figure it out and 
and I'm very thankful and blessed for that, that we have just made it work. But I do kind of laugh at those early days because, like you said, I just we didn't have a plan. We just knew we loved each other and wanted to be together. But more importantly, our parents were so strict that there was no way in hell we could live together. So it was like, okay, we got to get married. <laughs> so we did, and we have just always made it work. Well, and, you know, I ask that laughing myself because – while I don't know your parents as intimately as I do Roxanne's, um, I'd love to talk about her folks for a bit. Her amazing father, God rest his soul. Um, here's this, but here's this tough cowboy. And, but that tough cowboy had this little art studio at the bottom of my street on West 8th and Harrison. <laughs> and, you know, I... Uh, Tell us a little bit more about his passion for art and his legacy up there. And then I'd like you to move on to your mother, who also is a very good artist and spent a lot of time where Ty now is getting ready to in this story. Okay. Um, so my dad, um, before he met my mom, he uh, decided to get a job at Climax. So many people were up there, and um, my aunt was there. So she was like, Ted, you should come to, to Climax and get a job, and blah, blah, blah. So that's what he did. He started in the mine, and, um, and then they discovered that he was this incredible artist. And so he started doing some sketches and all this stuff. And lo and behold, some other miner found out and got really upset because all of a sudden my dad was like being treated in a different way, you know, making a little bit more money and blah, blah, blah. And so they actually had a contest at Climax. Um, because they wanted to find a commercial artist. And, of course, my dad just blew everybody away. <laughs> so he got that job, and he ended up management. So um, he was very, very fortunate. He also met my mom at Climax. My mom was married before. She had two, well, actually, she had twins born at the, in the very old hospital. One of the twins passed away. And then she had a son, which she had in Alabama before she came out with her previous husband. And their marriage was not working out very well. So my mom and dad met skiing at, at Climax. Oh, and my goodness. And they fell in love, got married, and then they had me later on. So... <laughs> Roxanne's dad, it was always funny listening to his stories, too, because he would talk about being raised in the Alamosa Valley, you know, south of here in Leadville, and he was raised on a dairy farm and ranching, and that's how he got around. The way you ride mountain bikes, you know, they were riding horses, so he was always into horseback and rodeos and everything, and he became a really good saddle bronc rider. He went to the Cheyenne Frontier days, like 1940-whatever, and I remember him telling me he'd win money, and he'd sleep under the truck, but he'd have enough money to get to the next rodeo, and then 
Yeah, it was so cool hearing those stories and imagining back in the day of, you know, living like that on the road and just riding Bronx and, you know, doing that is basically a living. And then he told me a story that he wrecked his aunt's car and had to get a job to pay for the car. And that job is what Roxanne just told you was a climax. So it was amazing how he got here too. So many people have great stories of how they end up finding or let Bill find them, you know, so it's, it's a pretty good one too. Oh, for sure. I do find it amusing that in his uh, Climax career, there were two or three women you mentioned with a Climax career as well. That goes back to uh, all this being founded on the backs of strong women business that we always preach about. Um, Now, before we go further, and this is not as light of a discussion, but Speaking about the backs of strong women and difficult times, um, I remember there was one time that uh, Roxanne really scared us all and we thought we were going to lose her way too early. It still chokes me up, but uh, it was one one day you were cycling on Fremont Pass and uh, the dark, inevitable times that we never want to face or hear about happened. And they happen to you. I would love for you that, to share that with our audience and exactly, uh, you know, what what that's done to your path in life. Um. Yeah, that was. It still is. You know, quite. It was life changing for me. Um. Not just physically, but mentally and. I literally haven't been on my road bike. I've been around the Mineral Belt Trail on my my road bike, but I haven't been on the highway since then. It was June 6th, 2008. And I was with my friend, um, and we started out, you know, it was pretty early in the morning, and it was going to be a beautiful day, you know, but as you know, in Leadville, it's freaking cold in the mornings, and it had mm-hmm. been a little bit snowy um, up at Climax, but it wasn't, you know, there was no really no snow on the ground, but maybe a little bit of ice and slush left that morning. Um, so we headed out, you know, and we were going to do the triangle. So it was from here to Copper Mountain to Vail and then home. I had only done that ride once with Ty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was going to be a huge day. And we got just past Climax. And this person, who we discovered later, never had a driver's license, um, was speeding to work over at Copper Mountain. She lost control of her car. She was literally in the middle of a wreck, like wrecking off the highway. My friend and I were in the bike lane, and it was actually slight uphill, um, but we were definitely in the bike lane. But the person was literally flying off the highway, barely missed my friend. My friend was about 20 feet behind me. And she saw the whole thing, and it hit me from behind. It it threw me. It, the car was going between 50 and 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And um, 
I was tossed into the air and I ended up in the middle of the highway on the double yellow line. Oh, so, God. And I don't remember, like, you know, there are times that I don't remember any of that. Um, I remember people were standing over me asking what my name was, who I was married to, what my phone number was, you know, and I'm, I'm just thinking, I can't answer these questions because, you know, I literally was out of it. And um, so, <laughs> and then I ended up, they took me to the um, St. Anthony's because I was on the Summit County line. Yeah. And so they took me there by ambulance. And they were trying to get a hold of Ty. And I guess they had to go like both directions to get cell service or whatever. And Ty said he was going 100 miles an hour, which I, I believe, um, to get to the, the accident site. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, it was extremely traumatic. They didn't know all the injuries I had. They had to do emergency uh, fusion of my back. I broke my back in five places. Um, they were afraid that I was going to have drop foot um, or not be able to walk very well. So um, that was the first surgery I went through. And then they found out I severed my ACL and tore my MCL of my, my good knee. <laughs> right, right. And, um, which is now a really crappy knee now. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it was just, oh my God, a horrible, horrible experience. Um, I think she still doesn't remember everything that happened or all the injuries, you know, cause she, you know, had a lacerated liver and it's nothing we talk about, obviously. Yeah. We're just like, put that behind us. So right. the only time we ever revisit this conversation is during these types of things. And it's, it's good, but you know, it's really tough as you can imagine, but I was sitting on the couch and yeah, that guy, she just spoke about called me and he was like, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but there's been an accident and now I'm flying up there and found her, right as the fire truck was getting there laying in the middle of the road and <clears throat> obviously i could tell it was really bad yeah but, and then um they got her to the hospital and they started checking everything out and she was kind of out of it for like the next three days you know and i just remember all through the night having to wake her up every couple minutes and you know I didn't even know I could stay awake for 72 hours but it was like <laughs> between the nurses and myself we'd have to like convince her to breathe and her oxygen levels would drop so far and her chat you could see she was not you know her heart rate would sink into the I can't even remember all the numbers but like seriously the 20s and her own two stats were in the 30s and 40s and we'd have to sit there and shake her and tell her to wake up and breathe and they were like she's internally bleeding really bad with a lacerated liver and pancreas that was internally bleeding and then of course they had done surgery and that was just a horrific scene she had a tube coming out of every single <laughs> possible 
plays plus a couple extra ones and it was just oh my god it was horrifying and you know it was so scary and I just uh, yeah I remember her waking up and trying to figure out what was going on and then she you know like for the like I said the first three days she couldn't even know or she couldn't even tell but then the first thing she said was when she woke up was if she could you know do the hundred in August. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god! Oh god. Really hit my head. Oh, uh, yeah, that was, that was the brain injury part. I god, I kidding me. I seriously wanted. To, I was like, are you kidding? And my stomach was just, you know, when deer get hit by a car and they blow up. Yeah. My body was blowing up. I was like, yeah. my, my stomach was so big and fat and uh, it was just like, it was so weird. I didn't even, I, yeah. I just remember praying that we could just take her home, not just like forget the bike racing. You're like, whatever, you know, but <clears throat> yeah, so to hear her. <laughs> say that was one of the first things she said when she could yeah pull her wits together and even kind of talk it was like you think i could do the hundred and august i was like oh. i was like yeah whatever i was like i'm glad you have that thought but yeah i don't think so not this year but the fact that she even came back a year later was that much impressive and the, the fact that she decided not to let something like that hold her back or give her an excuse to lay around or sit around it was quite the opposite she was like so bound and determined to do the hundred she used it as a really big motivation to like recover and get better and physical therapy and that was like we were going to the doctor every week for several months it was for everything, for everything. the lungs the liver doctor the head the legs you're like oh my god it's like non-stop to think that she would get on a bike again was like whatever for me, the hundred literally was this. I I thought if I if I can do the hundred, I will be okay. If I can finish this race, I will be okay. And and like it was such a big motivator. And you know, of course, I love it too. But it was just, it helped me to come back, for sure, in my life. Not just to ride a bike, but just to be a regular person who can walk and do, you know. So, yeah, it, it's been a, a huge thing, you know. Well, and, you, um, yeah, it is such a testament. Um of of what a strong woman you are um yeah my my next question was how long to get back and we know that it was a year because ty gave us the spoiler there i mean the fact that it wasn't yeah. 10 years is still mind-blowing to me i mean the rapid response you give anytime you get hurt to getting back on that bike always blows my mind and and we giggle a little about that being your motivation <laughs> and your first words but it's such a testament to what 
you know, all of this means to us and, and how much of a driver it is in your own life. In fact, you took it even further now out of this darkness. You created a spotlight on some of your own brand. Pardon me, my French is definitely not sharp, but isn't it to the term of guardian angel of cycling? Um, would you tell us about that? So that literally came from my accident, and it was the weirdest thing. You know, when I tell people, I literally, and it was not long after my after I was hit, but one of my trauma doctors said, this is a miracle, A, that you survived, that you were hit so hard. And he just said it, it was a miracle and that I had a guardian angel with me that day. It was probably a couple of weeks after my accident that I had this profound dream of this design it was a guardian angel on the bike, but it was a bike with wings on it. And it was all in French. That was one of my majors. So, you know, <laughs> I did have a head injury. So there we go. du <laughs> um, which is guardian angel of the bike. And then it's bonne chance, which means good luck. So I literally started making this design and and I was going to do these little shrinky dinks, <laughs> which I used to be, you know, teach at the middle school, these little, you know, using that little plastic stuff. A, it's cheap. B, people could wear it. And if they lose it, it's not like losing a piece of gold or something like that. But so I started making these little necklaces. And I was only going to make them for my girlfriends because I was like, maybe they'll wear them if... Not that I have power, but I do not want anyone else to go through what I did, you know, to get hit by a car. I'm like, this is so horrible. And so Ty saw me making one, and he was like, I want one. I need one. And I was like, do you think a guy would wear one? He was like, yeah. Ty still wears this every day. I've had to make them over (laughs) and over again, you know. We lose them or they break or whatever, but... Um, so that's what started this and I'm still making them. I just got done yesterday making like almost 20, um, for one of our friends. He just lost a friend who had a heart attack on a bike ride. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be doing this big fundraiser and they wanted a whole bunch of necklaces and earrings. So, um, literally I just finished those. Well, and that's really great. And for everybody that doesn't know, when you're in Leadville, you can get Roxanne's artwork at Harper Rose Studios. Do you have any other places that you have that available for anybody, for any of our family members listening and interested? I mean, if they, you know, if they want to call me or call Annie, you know, at Harper Rose, um, that's the probably the best way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Studios, yeah. yeah, that's the best place. Well, so. I mean, that's where I go to get all of my art. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this spin that you've been able to put on it. I mean, I can't 
I did the whole town was just on edge through that whole fight. I remember how emotional it was being so much more disconnected. I'm so glad that, you know, this is the outcome and these are the positive spins that have come from that. But you two have been entrepreneurial your whole time in Leadville. Obviously, so have your parents, Roxanne. Can you tell us some of the other businesses that you all have worked with up there? And, you know, we're, we are definitely going to get into the Nordic Center right after this question. <laughs> um, I mean, so my mom and she had a friend. Um, anyway, they, they were the ones who started the art gallery, the little cottage art gallery. It wasn't my dad. Of course, I didn't know, realize he was, that he was still working up at Climax, but my mom, it was Thea Richardson and my mom, they were the ones who opened the little cottage art gallery. So, um, and it would be open. It, it usually wasn't open in the winter, but in the summers and, um, and I was little, you know, I would go down there with one of my best friends and then we would walk to swimming lessons because my mom, it's what she did all summer. She taught people how to swim. And, um, and then we had another lady, our neighbor who would run the art gallery when my mom couldn't do it or when Sia couldn't do it. And then later on when my dad was retired, he started working down there you know and um yeah it was it was a hit they (laughs) sold so much artwork it was amazing well i mean it's the prime location you're right by the church uh yeah it's everything about that place is great now you all had moved into then a little bigger space nowadays at the nordic center and you've created some yurt experiences, I would say experience, but that's grown more than just the restaurant. Um, Why don't you tell us about how you got involved in all of that and where that lies today and how can our Leadville family members take advantage of that when they're not doing one of our events? I think um, that was back to, you know, where we started with how do you stay in Leadville? How do you, you know, uh, be a part of this community and a part of the town and everything else um, was, you know, there was a small trailer down there that a guy had, you know, a few cross-country skis and I could see, you know, he was struggling a little bit and I was realizing uh, guiding on Chicago Ridge was, you know, was fun and all, but wasn't um, that long-term. So uh, we approached him and we're like, hey, you want to sell the, the Nordic Center, and again, it was just a small trailer and everything, and he basically gave it to us so he could walk away without having to pay his bills for the winter. And he did, but it was with a with a, a vision of, okay, here's, here's a platform for us to start on and for us to build our life and our career and, and everything else. And I remember having it the first year and then being like, okay, now what do we do? You know, we've got this start in this place, and I quote-unquote had a real job that didn't pay of course but we were like all right let's let's see if we can maybe do a backcountry restaurant 
would people cross country ski to it, you know, or snowshoe to it? And kind of remember going to the bank and them kind of laughing, but Levin was in such a economic time that if you wanted to start a business in Leadville, there was, you know, help could be had, you know, so. Um, and luckily, I mean, literally, it was like a month after we bought the Nordic Center. Um, I got a full-time art teaching job at the middle school. So that was the key for Ty and I not to, like, die. Yeah, that was the boost. <laughs> I, mean, I got more money, you know, from the school district, but it was, you know, my job that kept us, you yeah. know, fed, and we could pay rent. <laughs> so yeah, that's how we did it. We're getting, like, 24 grand a year and I was like sweet we're like so good we are so I know <laughs> and we were so broke we were like okay but again it was just all that opportunity to get to stay in Leadville and I definitely yeah. knew at the time because Leadville was so um still recovering from the mine closing and all that kind of stuff and this massive loss of jobs and everything that we we're like it just provided us with this chance it gave us that one little hope of like hey we could actually stay here and do something you know and then like I was saying, we started the cook house and that started to go well. People were like, they did want to ski and snowshoe at night with headlamps to a backcountry restaurant that <laughs> had fine dining and elk and lamb and pheasant and salmon and all these great food. And it, it started to work. And then every time we got an ounce of money, we just put it back into the business for years. We'd be like, hey, we got a little bit of money. So we replaced the trailer with a big 2,000 square foot log cabin lodge and, you know, a restaurant down there now, a coffee bar and all this great thing. And then people would always come up to the cookhouse and of course they'd have a couple glasses of wine and some beer and then be like, man, if we could just stay the night. <laughs> so we were like, okay, well maybe we should put in some overnight years where people can stay the night. So it's all been like this 25 years or 20 something years of just always putting back into it you know we started with one part-time part employee and then um we had you know sorry your big shop dogs <laughs> yes newfoundland um yeah we had the one part-time employee and now we've got like 24 you know employees in the winter time and we have a dozen or more in the summer so it's all just been this you know, really big circle, if you will, or it's just taken a long time. But, you know, um, people, thankfully, you know, look at us now and they're like, wow, you guys have done really well. And I'm like, yeah, but should have been here the first dozen years. You know, we were, we, I, I told someone recently, I was like, the only place we could afford to go was like mountain biking with like Granite or Buena Vista. That was like about as far <laughs> as we ever went, you know, and we'd even go camping there, you know, for the weekend. So. It's been awesome, and Leadville's been great to us that way, and um, yeah, we're super fortunate to have what we have today, for sure. Well, yes. I mean, what you all have done has been incredible. I mean, it's entrepreneurial, as I've said many times, but to create that many jobs in our economy is just, just mind-blowing, and then you know, what did, did you even have restaurant experience before this, or 
did you just kind of wing it? Because that's a, a pretty hard arena to break your way into and, and 10 times harder in Leadville. You know, it was, and I always liked to cook. And when high school, you know, I always had like weight jobs or kitchen jobs. And so I'd always worked in restaurants. Again, I grew up at a small ski resort in Virginia. So you'd be like, oh, I'll wait tables this summer or cook or, you, you know, I mean, heck, we taught, you know, you did two jobs. You taught skiing and then waited tables at night. So it's all built into that, you know, for sure. And, um, you know, starting the cookhouse, I met, you know, we had a partner in it in the very beginning who had some backcountry experience like that. So that was super helpful and kind of got the, the, you know, the machine going on that aspect of just the, the kitchen and the cookhouse. And then, you know, we parted ways and, um, you know, which was all fine, but then, um, you know, we just kind of kept rolling with it, you know, and kept finding good staff members and, you know, trying to get the right people there to keep what we had going in the right direction. And and it has, you know, there's a big step with building the sleep yurts, you know, and like anything, even though we were so established, it still took several years for that to really get going where people are like, oh, wait, we can now stay the night. You know, we started with two and then we built two more overnight sleep yurts. Now we have six and now those six book in the wintertime almost a year in advance. So it's been quite this evolution and quite this progression of, of building the whole thing up. And at times I'm still in a little bit of disbelief of how well it's gone and how fortunate. And, you know, a lot of that is because the community of Leadville and Leadville has always supported us. And, you know, the bankers and everybody here has always wanted us to succeed and in, in the community. And the t- I, I can remember so many times we'd have volunteer days just because I'm like, well, I can't afford to have someone stack all this wood, but let's buy some beer and, you know, some food and our friends will come out and help us stack wood for the day and then we'll have a barbecue. So there was a lot of that. And that was just the Leadville community, you know, supporting a business. And it's that way still, you know, which is great. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, you know, without volunteers, the Leadville Trail 100 darn sure wouldn't exist either. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, we were, Described in the papers when Lance Armstrong came to town as the 17-year overnight success, and that gave us a good chuckle, but I see you all in that very same light, you know, like it was hard and it was a struggle and you just keep putting those feet forward and you keep digging in and then all of a sudden you're surrounded by this just magnificent empire, but yeah, it, it took all that blood, sweat, and tears of everybody to get there, didn't it? Yeah, it's that 15 years of overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, right. You know, it's, yeah, obviously watching your dad and, and everything, even with the Trail 100. I mean, obviously, I did, and I know we'll probably get into that, but watching what, you know, your dad and Mary Lee and your mom, everybody's done with that. It's just been incredible to watch as well because I've seen it, the bike race from the beginning. I remember being like, what? I missed it the very first year. And you're just like, wait, there's a bike race? You know, it was so small and nobody yeah. did it. So to see that to now, just like our business, it's been pretty incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, and then you, you're one of our athletes and then uh, you're having these volunteer days for your business. Well, then uh, somewhere along the line, uh, 
you came together with us and we started having volunteer days. And for everybody that doesn't know, Ty Hall is our dream chaser for the Leadville Trail 100 Legacy bike event. Um, Ty does this where he starts at the very back and he gets a dollar for every person he passes and that goes in to help with programs in Leadville. Ty, do you want to tell everybody a little more about your involvement with that program and what that's meant to you over the years? Well, yeah, first off, I mean, to get to do that and to get to ride for your community and knowing what your dad has set up with the Leadville Legacy in, in Merrily and how much they're giving back to the community, you know, has been amazing. And, I, you know, it started just six years ago. Now, and I had done some, I was lucky I had some really fast years at the Trail 100, and I was like, man, I pulled off a couple, three, sub eight times, and I was like, I was almost done with it, and I was like, you know what, that's as fast as I can go, man. You know, that's all I got. So I was kind of almost done, and then, um, you know, your dad and Mary Lee called and said, hey, you want to start dead last in the race and of course i was about to hang up when they said that and i was like i waited before i did that because i was like who wants to start dead last and then when they explained it to me i was like oh wait okay so this is a fundraiser and, and it was transamerica the insurance company that was sponsoring it the first year first two years um that i did it and i started dead last and as you just mentioned people now pay all kinds of money um, for every person I can pass. So the last, you know, the first year it started, we did like $7,500, which I was like, holy cow, that's amazing. Then yeah, the next year it was like double that. And then the last two years that we've done it, we've raised over $100,000 each year. So to get to be a part of that is like, it's so huge. And I tell people all the time, and this is the truth because I get so many compliments or people asking me they're like how do you do that how do you start to last how do you get by all those people in the last few years you know i've had some between 12 and 1400 people which is awesome but like i tell people i was like that's the easy part writing the checks giving the donations digging deep in your pocketbook that's what in my opinion is hard because i can't always do that but i'm gonna i can do the bike ride so it's just a privilege to get to do it and to get to be a part of it um you know so it's really really cool and this year hopefully you know i get to do it again um it might be my last year for doing it and i'm hoping to pass it on to another local person um but this year will be 20 years for roxanne and i but doing the race for the the level legacy especially when i was kind of done with racing like that or to that intensity um, just gave me such an, an awesome, you know, renewal of motivation to get out there and go for it. So it's been a really, really cool thing to do. And I love what you're, what they do with the money. I mean, it all stays local. These kids who graduate high school, you know, get $2,000 scholarship to go to college. I mean, that's a semester at CMC. I know so many kids that that has given them just that little extra step it took to walk through the doors of CMC and that's where I went to school. So to see them go there and get their first semester basically paid for, you're like, that's a huge deal. And in a community like ours, where we do have, unfortunately, a lot of underserved kids or a lot of people that can't afford to, co to go to college, um, for them to get that chance, it's, it's 
awesome to watch. And I know so many of these kids and it's incredible to be in Safeway buying groceries and have a parent come up and tell you how thankful they are that you help their kid, you know, start college. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is pretty incredible. What a, what a neat treat to all of that. And in fact, the success you've had with that has now generated that we have a run dream cha- dream chaser, Rodrigo. And uh, it's also a time where I get to take a pause and just say how special it is for the race, um, how much it has done. And, you know, I do talk to my dad, Mary Lee, about these questions before I do my podcasts and you know, they and I both just want to be sure to echo how appreciative we are. And, and that falls so short to say those words. Um, well, now we're through some of the, the darker spots and, and we're through a little bit of the entrepreneurial stuff. Let's get back to bikes. Um, and can we bring a little light to the fact that, you know, we did talk about all these overcomings that Roxanne had with this car wreck. But another fact I'd like to talk about is when I think about Leadville Race Series races, I think about how tough Roxanne is because she usually gets hurt in one and still finishes. Can you tell us maybe about a Silver Rush experience or a few others that you'd like to share? What's the date of this race? It was um, Mother's Day weekend. This year. (laughs) This year. So, and 
you know, knowing that this year for the hundred, it would be 19 years for both Ty and I, and next year is 20. I was bound and determined to, <laughs> to come back and do this freaking race, even though my leg was definitely not healed. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to even get on a bike and I got on the bike, um, way earlier than the surgeon told me. Normally it's a full six months before you can do any of that stuff. He gave me permission to get on a bike with a flat pedal. So I did that for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I had another appointment with him and I said, can I, instead of being on a flat pedal, do you think I could do the clipless pedal? Cause I just, it's hard for me to keep my foot on the pedal, on the flat pedal and everything. And at first he was like, no, like that you're it's too dangerous you're gonna tip over and get a shoulder injury or something like that and i said no no I, i'll be super super careful and um so sure enough he said i could do it go with clipless pedal but in the back of my mind i was like okay <laughs> if i can stay on my bike and if no one hits me or, or I do something super stupid, I'm going to do the 100 this year because the only reason why is because it's 19 and next year is a big year for Italian I. A, in March, it's going to be our 30th wedding anniversary. No, congratulations. <laughs> and then um, for the 100, it's 20 years for both of us. Okay. So I just had this, like, I just want, you know, I was like, I don't care how slow I am as long as I get under 12 hours. And so I did it. I, I did it. I finished. I will say it was the most painful, one of the most painful <laughs> hundreds that I've ever done. Well, with I, a broken I, okay. I thought my hundred was the most painful I'd done. I just didn't train enough, had a great race, finished with your husband, and then I had to go to the hospital for IVs and, and finish with your husband because I started several corrals ahead. Um, so the reason I bring that up is I want all the boys listening to understand when we say Leadville's founded on the backs of strong women, that's one. I am not up to that, and you probably aren't either. So I don't think people are grasping the true timeline of May of this year. You're, you know, having this huge leg fracture, and then August, you're coming up the red carpet, and you're home with Ty. <laughs> How um, incredible! It was, it, it was excruciating. It really was. I couldn't. I, the descending hurt so bad I couldn't get up 
like up off my feet hardly and uh, it's getting better now just because I'm not you know I've been doing all my physical therapy they had to give me a whole bunch more strength stuff because I've lost so much strength in that leg um but I will say it was worth it <laughs> because now this next year's 20 and I'm like it's so exciting and and um it we, definitely set her back a bit though because after the very uh, first man it swelled up so bad for another month and oh, yeah. I had to get that back under control so it was um I'm glad she did it too, but yeah, she kind of paid the price, but it's getting, it's getting better now. I definitely did. And my surgeon, we went back to him not very long ago. It was only a couple of weeks ago. And we took this awesome photo of me finishing. And then one of my friends from Virginia, she ended up riding with me at the end. Um, yeah, that's on like face picture, and he was so excited. He's gonna hang it up um, in the veil or summit um, medical center. People, you know, they, so I'm so excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. If you're friends with Roxanne on Facebook, she's tagged, and that photo's live. It went up a day and a half ago, I think. Yes, it is an incredible <laughs> shot. Now, so, but that's the thing. The constant theme here is Roxanne is broken at every race or breaks herself in every race. I am asking you directly, what keeps you coming back? I mean, you are the one that's fighting through the pain with a smile on your face, really digging deeper than anybody I see every year. You know, I would say after I was hit by the car, I, I'm just thankful every single day that A, I'm alive, B, I can walk, and I can ride my bike. I, I love mountain biking so much. Just in and of itself, I don't have to do the races necessarily, but I love mountain biking so much. It's so much fun. And the Leadville, of course, this home, you know, and it symbolizes being home where I was born. And, you know, it just symbolizes all this positive stuff. For sure. And that's why I do it. Well, and aside from being a competitor, you both both have a, a history of being competitors, volunteers. Um, you've helped both the race and the legacy. You've been there for Ken and Mary Lee and dark and bright times, both. What's kept that part of the passion for you? Um, with, with Ken and Mary Lee? Well, yes, and just participating in the other portions of the event where you're not an athlete. Oh, yeah. Well, like, we volunteered for to be up on Mosquito Pass, you know, for the run for years. And it is so cool to see the runners. I mean, the running, and I always tell my friends, if I could still run, because I used to run when I was high school and, 
you know, do the hurdles and everything. And I ran one year of cross country in, in college. Oh, it was painful. Oh, my God, it was so painful. <laughs> if I could run still, I would totally do lead one. But there's no way. I can't do that anymore. It's stupid. So I think for sure watching, getting to see the other events, not just volunteering for him, but going out and cheering on like Rodrigo who's doing the run and watching the Mosquito U. It's so inspiring, you know, because even if you're like, well, I do the bike or whatever, and you're good. But even though you're an athlete and do it yourself, to go out there and watch others do it and be on the sidelines of volunteering or helping or whatever, it's, it motivates you to keep going because you're like, man, look at these people, you know. And especially since I'm not a runner, I'm so impressed with the folks that do the 100. And, you know, the bike's a long day, yeah, but, man, the run's next level of all nights and even the mosquito pass you're like man that's a gnarly mountain up there it's like it's hard enough to ride your dirt bike up there and then yet they they're running up and down it and yeah it's so it's motivating to watch all the different events and all the different sports even if we're not competing not just to volunteer for the community which we do and for the races but to watch and get motivation from other folks it's always that's a good way too Oh, for sure, for sure. Now, then, speaking more along those lines, uh, for each of you, how has Leadville and the Leadville Trail 100 shaped your lives beyond race day? Man, I think for me, it's always funny because, um, you know, owning your own business and you're out there and, you know, there's times when you don't want to be out there or I'm under the snow cap when the you know, the melting snow is dripping in my ear and I'm getting some sort of water torture, you know, trying to fix a hose. And I'm like, it makes you realize that you can do more, you know, than you think you can. Just like your dad always says, and it's the God honest truth. Some days when I'm out there, I'm like, you know what? I can ride a bike for 12 hours a day or eight hours or whatever it is. And these runners can do all these sorts of things. It really gives you perspective because all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not, you know, max heart rate for eight or 10 hours. You're like, yes, I'm under the snowcat and I'm working and it's six o'clock in the evening, but you're like, I'm good, you know, cause um, I'm not freezing at night doing these races or whatever, you know? So it really, it has taught me a lot about patience and most of all perseverance and persistence. And I think that crossed over big time into our business. You're like, you don't quit, you know, you don't give up, you know, and just like your dad always tells us, you're like, you just, you got to keep going, you know, and you do. And that yeah. um, crosses so many lines of your life, you know, not just racing, not just your business. It's, it's about your marriage as well. You just keep going. You make sure everything is in place and you do whatever it takes to, to make things work. Well, it's very well said. What about for you, Roxanne? What it, how has it shaped uh, your life beyond race day? I mean, like Ty said, it definitely makes you think about everything in life, you know. Yeah. And what people, what what other people are going through right now, like with all this pandemic and all this stuff, it's like you know what? We are so blessed where we live, what we get to do, and no, we can't quit. There's no quitting. You have to just persevere. Do your best, because that's that's what we do when we when we race. 
we do our best and um and life is one of those kind of things where if it throws you bad things you know you gotta be able to hang in there and be tough you know yes for sure um and Leadville does a great job of teaching you that. Uh, these events do a great job of teaching you that. Uh, what do each of you think of when you hear the word Leadville? <clears throat> I mean, the very first thing I think of is home, because this is home. I mean, I was born and raised in Leadville, and we chose to make it our permanent home. And God, there's not one single day that I just, ah, uh, thank God, where we went. It's so beautiful. I think for me, when I, the first thing that comes to Leadville is like hardcore. Everybody that lives here, everybody that, I mean, I see some of the people that are retired here and are quite a bit older. I mean, they're so hardcore to still live here and they're out there shoveling with their oxygen tank you know i'm just like oh my god you know it's incredible to see the hardcore people that live up here and the the incredible athletes that call that build their home i mean we get to travel all over the place and when you ride with other folks or see other people in other areas you just realize like living up here which is amazing and beautiful but the elevation and the winter and the the cold, just like the miners back in the day, man, this is not exactly cake living. So <laughs> the first thing that comes to me is kind of hardcore. Everybody up here is some sort of badass person. If it's the guy shoveling with oxygen or the incredible riders and runners and everything else that we have in dirt bikers or whatever it is that we have up here, is everyone up here, um, yeah, is hardcore. That, that's a really great way of putting it. Beauty and uh, magic do come at a price. I can't say how much fun it's been catching up with both of you today. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else either of you would like to share with our family members? I think for me um, is all the support that we've gotten from everybody over all the years of all the things we've had to overcome in our life. I mean, all the people that reached out to us and helped us during Roxanne's accident in our time of need, it made me realize what an incredible community the Leadville, that level is period, but the Leadville race series, the Leadville racers, I mean, everybody out there. Mary Lee was the first one when I came home from the hospital after being with Roxanne for two weeks. Hers was the first, this was back in the, you know, uh, recording days of the telephone and I pushed play on the messages and Mary Lee was crying into the phone on how she could help us and what she could do. So that just, that's what I really want everybody to know. And what I think, um, everyone, what I appreciate the most is the Leadville community and the Leadville race series and the Leadville family, like just being there for us in not a time of a race, but in the time of real need. Well, thank you so much. You've got me in tears now. Um, you all are, are so close to our hearts, and I can't thank you enough for the time you've spent with me today. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Cole. 
Well, Leadville Race family, there you have it. An exciting hour, and if you had your pen and paper out, you have cleft notes on how to finish the Leadville Trail 100 come August. But furthermore, you have notes on how to carve out your uh, multi-year overnight success here in Leadville, just like Ty and Roxanne have done. So thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to give us a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to visit Ty and Roxanne at the Tennessee Yurt or uh, the Cookhouse, their sleeping yurts, or the Nordic Center this winter. And beyond that, we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville.